Welcome to Journey Elgin of Elgin, Texas, where we are living life in Christ, impacting His kingdom. Our service times are Sundays at 9 a.m., followed by a second service at 1045 a.m. Today's message is Habit of Uplifting. Here's Pastor Philip Thomas. Well, we are wrapping up our fifth habit today, and this will be the last one. So only five habits. So that's pretty good. If you can get rid of all your other habits and then just go with these five, life will be perfect, right? And of course, that's not true, but you can go with that, right? So five habits. Now, I want to just kind of review, and we're working on kind of a little logo and giving some things for you to be able to take home. We want this to kind of just be a simple reminder of, well, what does it mean to be a follower of Jesus? You know, what, is that, what does that practically look like? These are very broad habits that you can do, you know, and they're, they're not groundbreaking or earth-shattering or new, but they're just ways for us to hopefully stay engaged with living a life for Christ because living a life for Christ is so much more than just coming to church. It's so much more than volunteering at the church. Right? Like, I mean, the, the biggest volunteers of a church give a few hours of their week to the church, right? Well, what about the rest of those hours? Well, that's part of living life in Christ, right? Is what are we doing with every hour of our life? And, uh, and how are we allowing Christ to influence that? So that's what these habits are designed to do. We talk, talked about the habit of learning, of re- making sure that we're always learning about Jesus, that we're drawing closer to him. And that's why we started the podcast is, is that uh, you can just, there's constant little resources out there for you to, to use to remember, hey, I need to be thinking about Jesus more than just on Sunday morning. Uh, I need to, we need to be intentional about doing that. We also have the habit of eating of getting out, interacting with people, right? And the reality is, is it doesn't have to be eating. You can get out and go bowling with someone. You know, you can go do something, but interacting with people. And so we're encouraging uh, everyone, uh, two families a month or two individuals a month, go eat with someone that's connected with Journey and go eat someone who is not connected with Journey. Preferably if you know someone who is not connected to, to a church or to faith, or maybe that's, that's what we're going for here. But who knows where God's going to open those doors. But we kind of make that part of, okay, this is going to be something that I try to do on a regular basis. And we talked about the habit of corporate worship, of worshiping together, of not just kind of spending individual time with God, which is important, but trying to get into the habit of worshiping together, because we need to know that we're not in this alone, right? That we're, we all struggle with the same types of things. We're all going through this life, and we don't know exactly what tomorrow's going to bring. So we don't know if it's going to be uh, a time for celebration or a time for mourning. But we're all going through that roller coaster of life together. And so when we worship God together, it does bring us closer. And so we want to make that a habit. Does that mean that you're here every week? Obviously, that's not realistic, Right? And that's not why we're trying to make this a habit. It's not to increase attendance. It's because it's important. God set aside a day (laughs) where he said, you need to spend a day focused on me, right? And I think part of that is corporate worship. Last week, we talked about the habit of listening, of just shutting off the noise 
and spending time with God. Specifically, encouraging you to spend some time in silence, knowing that that is very difficult. But, but just trying to allow God the opportunity to speak to us. You know, and, and again, just like any habit, it, sometimes it takes a while for things to become a habit. You have to choose to do things for a long time before they come, become second nature, right? And, and so that's what this is. This is a process, and we all know we're not going to live up to these all the time. We all know we're going to struggle with some, but man, if we're at least trying, right, that we're moving that direction, that's a positive thing. So today, we're going to end with the last one. I want you to kind of think about those habits. All of these habits have some things that are very uh, just personal between you and God, mixed with things that are between you and the community, you and, and the church. So that's, that's what life is. It's all of this. This last habit, I really think if you're not doing a little bit of all of these others, it's going to be really hard to do this last habit. And I've worked on the wording of this, and what I've, what, what I've kind of narrowed it down to or finally kind of landed on is the habit of uplifting. A habit of uplifting others, which in order for you to uplift others, you have to be uplifted yourself, right? And so if you're not spending time with Jesus, getting to know Jesus, you're not going to be encouraged. You're not going to be uplifted. And so it's going to be really hard to uplift others, right? If you don't have a perspective on what's going on in the world around us that's based on your relationship with God and what God is doing in the world, you are not going to be able to uplift others because it is not an encouraging picture if you're looking at the world through anybody's eyes but God's, right? And so all of this works together. And, and that word uplifting, the reason that I landed on it is the basic definition is morally or spiritually elevating, right? Inspiring happiness or hope, all right? So this word uplifting is kind of a word, it, it gets to our soul. <laughs> it's something that encourages us from the inside out. It's not, it's not just a physical handout, Right? Those are needed sometimes, but something that truly uplifts, that truly elevates where your soul is, it kind of speaks to you deep, where you go, you know what? I, I feel God's presence. You know, things are going to be okay. You know, those are, we, we desperately need that. There's a passage, it's in Hebrews chapter 13. This is on page 845 in the chair Bibles. Hebrews chapter 13, just two verses, verses 15 and 16, says this. It says, Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that openly profess his name. And do not forget to do good and to share with others, for with such sacrifices God is pleased. All right, so... This is just kind of a, a simple thought, but basically it starts off talking about that sacrifice of praise. That's, that's us choosing 
to praise God through, through worship, through the way that we live our life, all of that. But, but praising God with our lips, you know what I mean? That this is, a, this is a relationship that we have. And it's a sacrifice because we have to choose to do it. It just doesn't happen naturally. So that means you have to sacrifice. Whether you're sacrificing time on Sunday morning, you're sacrificing time during the week to learn about Jesus. You're sacrificing time to listen to Jesus, right? So all of that kind of works together. It's this sacrifice of praise. But then I love this verse because what it does is it, it, that's kind of the individual aspect of it, this sacrifice of praise, praising God. And, but then it, it moves and it says, and do not forget to do good and to share with others, right? For with such sacrifices, God is pleased. So in other words, God wants to, us to take what we experience in him and to share it with others, right? Now that's something that should be uplifting because one thing that should happen when we encounter God, even when we're convicted by God, like whenever we have those moments where I don't know if you've ever experienced it, that, that you just realize, man, I've been doing some things really wrong, right? And you just kind of feel, oh my gosh, what have I done? Even in that, if that's coming, if that's truly coming from God and it's not just someone putting a guilt trip on you, if it's actually coming from God convicting, that's one of the most uplifting experiences that you can have because you realize, oh, look at what I've been doing, how far that's been pulling me away from God. Now God is forgiving me. He's calling my attention to it. And now he's going to restore that relationship. That is uplifting. So as we experience God, and we have that kind of that sacrifice of praise. We are uplifted. And then we need to remember, hey, that's something that we need to now take out to others. And we're actually going to be doing one of our Engaging the Culture podcasts. Is going to talk a little bit about this. But we live in a time, and we've, talk, we've, we've said this before, we live in a time that is very negative. Um, and it's very ironic because by very numerous measurements, we've never been better off worldwide. Less people are dying now. The literacy rate compared to 30 years ago is unbelievable. So many more people are able to read than they used to. So many, there are so many fewer people in poverty than 30 years ago. Now, we're moving in the right direction, but you would think that right now that everything is falling apart because everybody is negative, and it's because that's, that's the way we're geared now. And all of us have that within us, right, because that's part of our fallen nature is that we, we focus on the, the negative stuff. But now you have it from in, in, within the political world. It doesn't matter where you see it. The negative stuff is what sells because we've created a situation where everything is us versus them, something versus something else. Well, how do you defeat something that's just an idea that's not on the football field, right? How do you defeat it? Well, you make sure everyone knows how bad that idea is. So both, both people are just lobbing negativity at each other, and we're caught up in it. And the church, frankly... Sometimes we can be the most negative, right? And here's why. 
Because we do look out and we see the devastating effects of sin. And we see what it's doing to people. We see what it's doing to families. And it is so frustrating, right? And we're like, you know, there is another answer. But what happens is when we start focusing on all of that, then we're not focusing on the truth. And the truth is, is that Jesus said, hey, all that stuff you should expect to be happening, (laughs) right? Why else did Jesus need to enter into the world and go to the cross and rise again, right? He he knew all this other stuff is going to go on. And he said, but take heart, I have overcome the world. But what we do a lot of times as Christians is we just focus on all the nasty stuff that's going on and we don't focus on the truth that Jesus Christ has already overcome all of that. And so what happens is it, it starts from a decent place that we're recognizing how bad it is, but then we just get consumed by that. And so rather than going and uplifting people out in the world, we just go out into the world and we say, man, it sucks out here. Sorry. I wish it was better. Man, what if we actually had a message that uplifted people? But to do that, we have to be uplifted ourselves. Right? And that and that is vital. And we need to live uplifted lives. And sometimes if you need to fake it, fake it. Like if you're around someone who does not know Christ, man, we need to show some positivity. Even if you're in a mood that you're not feeling it, we need to be able to show some positivity because by being negative, we're just contributing to something that is pulling our society and pulling our culture and pulling this world farther and farther away from Jesus. This was an interesting question. I was sitting with the youth on Wednesday night and I just asked them, I, I, we went up to McDonald's and I said, y'all on the car ride, Y'all think of one question that you've wanted to ask. It can be whatever it is. That's terrifying to do with youth, by the way. <laughs> but, but I was buying them a, a shake, so I figured we could just eat those and we'd, everybody would be happy no matter what. And, uh, and so the question was, why do so many people, <laughs> how is it worded? Why do so many people hate Christians now? And I started thinking about that. And I said, and I and it just kind of got me thinking because I know exactly what they're saying. Because a lot of Christians are miserable people. And a lot of Christians, the way that we try to go about attacking the miserableness is by becoming kind of harsh and fighting. Right? Well, that's just contributing to the way that the world is doing things. The world wants us to be in chaos. Right? Like, I, I laugh about, gosh, I wasn't even planning this. I laugh about, you know, we, we talk so much about how Russia, Russia, you know, got involved in the election. And you, there's evidence that they actually supported both candidates in different ways at different times. Why did they do that? Because they just want chaos. They want America to be as in much turmoil as possible, Right? Why did they do that? Because the more turmoil you're in, the more frustrated, the more you are mad at the other side, then you can't get anything done. That's exactly how Satan works in the world. Right? The more he can make us mad at each other, the better. And the problem is, is, is he's already won. People who don't know Christ 
are naturally, Jesus said, the world has hated me first, so it will hate you. So that's, that's natural, right? We shouldn't be surprised by that. What we have to do is how are we going to fight back against that? And many times we fought back against it by calling people out and by being very adversarial rather than maybe saying, you know what, I I understand why they're that way. They don't know Jesus. I'm not going to expect them to act like Jesus, but I'm going to. And Jesus said, turn the other cheek. He said, whenever they ask you to walk one mile with them, go with them too. He said, pray for your enemies. That's a whole different way. And it's not easy. And I'll say this, if you are not living, if you're not uplifted in your life, you are not going to be able to uplift others. And so don't even try until you get there. Right? Now how do we do it? How do we become uplifting people? Or how can we do that to others? Well first, as we've talked about, you've got to become it yourself. Through learning about Jesus. I really believe part of the reason that we even talked about sitting in silence and getting away and turning off all those voices is that can be uplifting, right? I mean, scientifically it's proven, but God knew that, right? He didn't need science to back it up. But all of those things, worshiping together, all of that helps to uplift you. And then you can start saying, you know what, okay, now how am I going to uplift others? There's so many different ways, right? It doesn't, we don't have to do a, a huge brand new way of uplifting somebody, right? It can just simple words of affirmation, of encouraging, whether it's a letter or a card or even a text message, complimenting people. Uh, author named Gary Smalley, he wrote uh, Five Love Languages, um, and how we react to and interact. This is a wonderful quote about encouragement. And this kind of gets to the heart of what we're talking about. We want to speak to people's soul, right? Um, that we truly uplift them. He says, encouragement requires empathy and seeing the world from another's perspective. We must first learn what is important to the other. Only then can we give encouragement. With verbal encouragement, we are trying to communicate. I know, I care. I am with you. How can I help? We are trying to show that we believe in the person and in his or her abilities. We are giving credit and praise. Now that's, that's a lot more than just a, a casual comment, right? Because you're actually taking a moment to put yourself in that person's position and think, man, how, how can I best encourage them? Right? So you're, you're putting some, some effort into this. And that's meaningful. You know, it it makes a difference when we do that. So we do that with our words. We can do that with acts of kindness, whether, you know, providing practical assistance to someone whenever all of a sudden the need comes up. You provide assistance to them. You know, but it's it's not just a handout, right? It's, It's things that are legitimately going to help someone. And you always have to be careful on this because because we're humans and we can mess things up, you don't want to manipulate this. You don't, you know, because we can go, you know, if I help them do this, you know, in fact, I will go help him move that couch because I need to move this in a few months and he'll be able to remember that, right? And I'm pointing at Derek because I mean, 
Don't, but you, you see what I'm doing? If, if we're not careful, we can start kind of, we can slip down that slope. And that's not what this is. This is legitimate, hey, here's a need, let, let me help you. You know, but again, if, in order to do this, we have to be seeing things through other people's eyes. That means we're thinking about them. That means we're caring about them. This goes to the heart of eating with others, right? That we actually do want to get to know someone. We want to find out a little bit about their life. So what we're asking is in order to have developed the habit of uplifting others, one, you have to remember you need to be uplifted yourself. But find a person or a family here at Journey to uplift each month, some way, some shape or form. And then find a family or an individual outside of Journey to uplift each and every month. That's not a whole lot to ask. And the reality is what you'll find is you may realize, you know, I kind of like writing little notes to people. And so you write more than one. (laughs) But imagine if within our body, if everyone was trying to uplift someone else. So every few months, someone did something for you that was unexpected, that was encouraging. Just imagine how, how much that would make a difference just within this body, right? And I know some of this stuff is going on already. But man, what if we all said, you know what, this is important. And then what it, we've, got, we've got around 50 families, give or take, that are connected with journey in some way or form? What if all of those people each month were uplifting someone else outside of the church? You know, those are little things, but man, God God does a whole lot with very little. But we just have to be willing to do it. And so I just want to encourage you to be uplifted. And you know, sometimes sometimes we uh, get into that argument uh, is it okay just to help people and do nice things for people? What about telling people that they need Jesus and telling people that they're sinners and that they need to repent, right? The, kind of the old school uh, evangelism model versus a new evangelism model. And I understand the tension there, and we've talked about the tension there. Um, one, there was a, doctor, a doctoral thesis, a guy wrote a doctoral thesis, and uh, he actually compared two different mission trips. And the way that he talked to them is the, the blessers and the converters, right? So at one group, they were from two different uh, faith backgrounds, two different organizations. One, their purpose, they went to Thailand. And the way that they were going to interact with people is they were going to, to go to convert, right? So the, everybody that they ran into in the way, and they did it friendly. This was not just standing on the street corner yelling at people. But when they met people and they started engaging, the conversation immediately went to, hey, do you know Jesus? Where are you with Jesus? Kind of that thing. Again, done nicely, but that, that was, it was like, okay, how can we make sure we get the message? And they had some success. I mean, they had some people who converted. Then you had the group that he labeled the blessers. And what they were doing is they were just going same basic way, but as they met people, They just kind of found out, hey, what are some of the needs that you have? What can we do for you? And they started making a difference in in that community. And so the the results came back and that he put, uh, started talking about. And uh, he said, obviously, the blessers 
made a bigger social impact, right? Because they were looking at practical things that they could help. But you know what? I, I think we always have to be, be really careful. In fact, that term social justice now, we've got to be real careful with that because it can go off the rails. Um, and because the gospel message is more than just social justice. But what was interesting about this trip is that the group that he called the blessers had 50 times the number of converts as the converters. Because what would happen that as they shared, hey, what can I do to encourage you? Then it started conversations and they said, well, why, why are you even doing this? And they said, well, because we love Jesus. <laughs> and it started conversations. Now, I'm not saying that that one little study is, you know, makes a blanket statement. But what I am saying is that we can make a huge difference by just doing simple things, uplifting people, and allowing the Holy Spirit to do His work. Right? We don't have to force it. I want to encourage you to be really praying about your habits. What are your habits? Think about your normal week. And most of us really quickly are going to realize, man, my time is dictated to me, right? Like I'm not dictating my time. It's kind of like with budgets, (laughs) you know? Most of the time, our budget is dictated to us unless we're really intentional about dictating our budget, right? It's the same way with time. And all of a sudden, we realize that we're in habits that the world has placed on us. And you know what? Not all of those are bad habits. You have to work. You have to spend time with your children, taking them to school, taking them to activities, all of that stuff, right? But if we're not careful, we just allow that to make our habits for us. Start praying about and thinking about, okay, how can I start choosing the habits that I want to incorporate? And we're not talking about major changes, but they're little changes that can change your life. And that's that's what Jesus came to show us. He He came to show us a new way to live. It's a way to live that changes the world around us. And it starts with changing you. This week, find reasons to be uplifted. If you're not, if you're just just not comfortable within your soul, allow God to start working on that so that then you can be uplifting to others. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear God, I thank you so much for just your presence here in this place. I thank you for the opportunity uh, that we have to worship you. Lord, we live in a world um, that is very difficult, a world that can be very frustrating, a world where it's easy to get caught up in the negativity. Lord, help us to be uplifted by you so that we can uplift others. Lord, because we know that you have already overcome the world. We know that your presence is secure within us and within this world. Help us to share that message each and every day and help us to live out that message. Lord, we love you. We thank you for loving us. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. 
Thank you for listening to Journey Elgin. Come check us out. We are located at 1221 North Avenue C, Elgin, Texas, 78621. You can contact us at www.journeyelgin.org or call us at 512-661-8411. That's 512-661-8411. We hope to see you soon and may God bless you.